fancy pants Play the songs that make us dance Play the tunes that make the ladies swoon A song for all the lonely hearts Shattered dreams and broken parts Feels like sunny days are coming soon Hey, Mr. Buttercup Spin the wheel and try your luck The spotlight shining bright tonight on you Good day, lovely listeners. Welcome to episode 85 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. I am your host, the titular Stace, and I will be seeing you through a lot of pop culture ramble times. I'm gesturing. You can't see any of this because you're not here. Your webcam doesn't work. <laughs> Shut up. I haven't introduced you yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> also, the webcam doesn't work. But <laughs> I'll slink away. Slink away. Don't slink away too far because I am about okay. to introduce you. Uh, those Dorset American tones you can hear over the <laughs> other side of this internet times uh, is my good friend and parlor champion. I'm going to call you a parlor champion because this is like your second second appearance. It is only your second one. See, I can see you gesturing. <laughs> <laughs> I've also had you on like my show. I can't keep track of it all. I know. Well, he's my good buddy and you will love him. It's the delightful Stephen Cranny Cranston. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. That's all right. Thank you for uh, taking time out of your day, especially during time difference times. If anybody asked me to podcast in the morning, I'd be like, what fresh hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> Even 11 a.m. So yeah, because I mean... That's, that's early for me. <laughs> and yeah. It's not. It's absolutely not. On a normal working day, I'm up at six. And on a weekend, I'm usually up at about half eight, nine o'clock. But it just seems too early for podcasting. Like, I don't feel like I've really got into the groove of my day. Yeah. Until like two. <laughs> I usually record podcasts at like 10 at night when I'm super wired. <laughs> I, now, see, I think there's like a sweet spot for me. And it's probably about four in the afternoon. It's pretty good. Where I'm like, yeah, where I've like, I've, I've had coffees. And I'm awake, and I'm not at that point where I'm like, oh, it's almost bedtime. I could nap. <laughs> anyway, enough about me. <laughs> How long has it been since you were last on? It's got to be like a year or something. Probably about that. That's madness. Time just kind of melts away. I get caught up in my own shit pretty easily. <laughs> I think that's, um, you know, fair. Yeah. You are allowed to do that. So do you want to tell people who may be fairly new listeners to the parlor um, who you are and what you do? Yeah, yeah. I have a podcast with my buddy Bassam. It's called Turtle Power Pod. We watch every episode of the old 1987 Ninja Turtles cartoon. And then we we basically give an in-depth review and breakdown and you get to see our live reactions along with it. And a lot of it is uh, a lot of it is a lot of rambling bullshit. A lot of characters. <laughs> we get pretty, pretty upset with the turtles. It's not if you have a picture of the turtles in your head from when you were a kid and it's really good, you need to reevaluate because it's not <laughs> it's basically a big cash grab show. Yeah, I'm in that sort of spot where I started a rewatch of the 80s show about a year ago. And for the first like sort of maybe 10 to 12 episodes, I was like, this is great. This is just yeah. like I remember it. It's so right? great. It's so good. And then then episode 13. <laughs> And that, yeah, it just sort of starts, it just sort of starts diving. And some of the episodes are just awful. <laughs> there are some that you guys have done um, reviews of that I haven't actually rewatched yet. And now I'm thinking maybe I won't. <laughs> yeah, let us live through that pain so you at home don't have to. <laughs> like, part of me really wants to have like a massive like turtles marathon like how how many episodes like how long do you think that would take i'll take it like a week and a half off work <laughs> man yeah there's so many 
they're like 140 episodes or something. Yeah, I'm fairly certain I didn't see that many of them when I was a kid, which might be why. If I've only yeah. seen the better ones. <laughs> when you're a kid, everything's new and exciting, so it feels like, oh, this is great. This is something I haven't seen before, because you don't have anything to compare it to. That's true. I also feel like a lot of the other cartoons that were around at the time like weren't as fun. Like They all had like d- d- you know deep moral messages and shit. Like, He-Man was always like, here's a fun little story, but also, I'm going to come and tell you a moral at the end. And you're like, come on now, man in pants. I don't need your advice. <laughs> yeah, we watched Care Bears when I was growing up. It'd be Care Bears and then Ninja Turtles. So Care Bears is definitely all about those life lessons. Yeah, yeah, it really was. I um, I, I did like the Care Bears quite a lot, and I was very into My Little Pony too, which was quite um morality heavy. I also was I was really into a cartoon called The Moon Dreamers and every time I talk to somebody about it they're like what the fuck is that you've made it up? I want to say that I've heard of it it sounds familiar but I have no idea. <laughs> In essence it was like these cute little cute little girl characters uh, design wise think along the same lines as Rainbow Bright. And they lived in the sky and they used to bring people dreams at night and they always had to like fight this woman who was trying to give people nightmares and there was like a Pegasus and it was, you know, very girly and cute. But nobody seems to <laughs> nobody seems to remember it. <laughs> was it a good Pegasus? I think there was a good and a bad kind of Pegasus. Like there was like the adorable dreamy Pegasus and then the one that was like, I'm gonna show you visions of your dead parents kind of thing. <laughs> it wasn't that harsh but the nightmares were kind of terrifying (laughs) yeah yeah i'd give it a watch i mean i don't know that i would recommend it because i haven't seen it since i was about six (laughs) but you know if you ever get sick of watching the turtles and you feel like putting (laughs) something else daft in your eyes then uh, maybe i don't know that's one for the the list i'll keep it i'll put it on the list good good hey before we move on to some pop culture business yes how's church church is great yay it's church there i want to see church Church. This is so. This is such good audio. Hello, Church. Okay, so Church is the Turtle Power podcast. He's uh, he straight up does not give a shit about what you are doing. No, never. <laughs> He's essentially sitting on the back of the sofa, back to cranny, like nah, mate. <laughs> yeah, not even looking in my direction. No, doesn't even care. He's adorable though. Church. There he goes. Hello, hey, Church. Buddy. How you doing? No, he's giving you the look of like. What you disturbing me for, Phil? Exactly. <laughs> he's, he hasn't got out a time bit. for your shit, Cranny. <laughs> Who does? Bless him. I don't have time for my shit. Oh, shit my cat. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, do you want to get cracking on some uh, some pop culture business? Yeah, let's do it. Okie dokie. What have you been watching or reading or listening to of late, good sir? Yeah, they just added. Uh, season three of Better Call Saul to uh, Netflix. Ah. So I got through that in about two days. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been off work by any chance? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I just managed to squeeze it in because I'm obsessed. It's one of the problems that I have with Netflix. In And I say problems in the sense of like, it's not really, a, it's a very first world problem. But the fact that they release everything all at once. Absolutely. Stresses me out because I'm like, I need it. I need it all now. But like, sometimes, you know, you have life things to do. Yeah. I'm a lot pickier about what I ingest now. <laughs> ingest? <laughs> you know, through the eyes, the media. Mm-hmm. Through the eyes and the ears. I um, have not watched Better Call Saul. 
because I also have not watched Breaking Bad. Whoa. Yeah, look at that shocked face that you were just pulling. No, I tried to, and I got to... I feel like it was probably only episode two, maybe, where he tries to, like, dissolve a guy in the bath and then said uh, dissolved guy, partially dissolved man falls through the ceiling because the acid was a little bit maybe too strong. And I was like, nah, this is too grim. This isn't for me. (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of... I mean, it sets it up. So I think the problem was, like, the chemist guy, Walter White, told Jesse, the drug kid, to go get this special plastic tub. Mm -hmm. And then Jesse was like, fuck that, I'll just use the bathtub. And then he's (laughs) like, well, the bathtub's ceramic, so... It eats through the bathtub. The whole, I, the more I watch it, the more I'm kind of realizing this is about the tragedy of Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I think Rich has watched it, but I don't think he's watched Better Call Saul, which is weird because he loves Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, me too. I love Mr. Show. I've not watched that either. <laughs> Mr. Show? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I'm allowed to podcast, mate. <laughs> I don't think that's so bad. I mean, so Mr. Show, if you haven't, seen it as an older show it was on hbo kind of an american wacky sitcom it kind of came and went real quick so i don't think it's unusual that you'd miss that at all of course Mm -hmm. i don't know how popular it was overseas yeah i know rich liked it mostly for uh scott ockerman i think because he lives yeah he wants he wants Uh, to be his husband (laughs) (laughs) all those irreverent comedians a lot of them started on that show Mm mm-hmm is Better Call Saul funny? No, wait. Did I say that in the right order? <laughs> that felt is like Better it Call came Saul out funny? Yes, there you go. Saul Better Call? I, no, for some reason I said it and then I thought, did I say Saul Call? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you said it right. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's kind of like Breaking Bad where like it goes from like really intense moments of just like the most intense like opening of a bag of Skittles you've ever seen. And then, <laughs> and then yeah, there's comic relief too. Mm-hmm. But it's it's pretty intense. The the drama aspects get pretty high. My favorite is it starts going into other characters' uh, stories, too. So it's like, what's your favorite side character from Breaking Bad? It's like, well, it's in Better Call Saul. Ah. So they do the background of a lot of other cool guys, too. That seems like a really good way to make money. <laughs> yeah, and they do it really well. I guess Better Call Saul is gonna they're gonna keep making it till it leads right up to breaking bad so then you can do a full marathon ah is it a prequel then yeah it's absolutely a prequel but sometimes they show parts like the future like post breaking bad and then they go back in time to kind of show how this man who was this amazing lawyer got turned into like a shitty guy (laughs) that works at a cinnabon (laughs) if if i found that episode of uh breaking bad with a a squishy body falling through the ceiling too much should i give it another go is it as bad as that consistently <laughs> honestly as far as the gore is concerned that's probably the worst of it like every once in a while like someone gets shot and maybe it's kind of graphic yeah but generally speaking i would say it's it's mostly like edge of your seat drama uh and suspense more than a blood blood fest yeah I I don't know what it was about Breaking Bad, because as much as I found that, like, super gross and grim, I mean, I've watched and really enjoyed things like Dexter, which is not like, you know, that can be pretty absolutely foul at times. (laughs) Yeah, he's, like, cutting people up while they're alive. Yeah. 
That's yeah, I don't fucked. know what's wrong with me. <laughs> I'm like, yay, Dexter. Oh, this program about a sad man with cancer trying to make drugs to get money for treatments. Like, oh, now I can't watch that. <laughs> well, maybe that's the problem. Like, in Dexter, I feel like they paint the picture that Dexter's actually a good guy a lot more. Like, yeah. it's a lot less, uh, oh, I don't know what's what's wrong. Like, who's the good guy? I need to question my own morals and values. But Breaking Bad, every character is like that. It's like every guy that's good, you're also like, fuck that guy, though. What an evil turd. <laughs> I love the word turd. Thank you for using the word turd. Evil turd. Such a good word. And it's I th- my favorite part is like, so it's like this, the whole show is kind of this dichotomy between Jesse and Walt. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Walt, you're like, oh, well, he's the good guy. You know, he's he's got a family. He's a teacher. He wants to make drugs to sell, but it's like, ah, drugs. It's like, who's who's to say drugs are bad? Like, I don't, I'm not going to be the one to tell people what drugs they shouldn't take. And then Jesse is like this, this drug dealer already doesn't have much of an education. He's not very wise. You're like, that guy's got to be the bad guy. He's, he's just a miscreant ne'er-do-well. <laughs> and then as it turns out, Jesse is just like this horrible product of this tragic upbringing who wants to do the right thing but no matter what he does cannot get out of this fucking cycle and walt is this horrible awful murdering evil fuck (laughs) oh mm, maybe i will give that another go then because i've although it's not like i haven't got like a billion things to watch already i caught i caught some internet flack the other day because i still haven't watched the second series of jessica jones yet and um, after I admitted that, I thought, is this the time and place to be admitting that I still haven't watched the rest of Luke Cage or any of Iron Fist or any of The Defenders or any of Punisher yet? <laughs> I mean, just you listing them out sounds exhausting to me. There's so much. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, there's this sort of whole idea, especially in like comic, I don't know about, you know, the, the wider geek culture as a whole, but especially in comic book culture, that you have to watch everything and you have to like it. Yeah, that was great 12 years ago when I had the time. Yeah, and also when there was a lot less of it. So it's like you did appreciate these things a bit more maybe because there wasn't like a thousand superhero things. Like a lot of people keep saying to me, oh, you should like this though because like 10 years ago we didn't have it. And I'm like, well, that that's no excuse for it to be shit though, is it? <laughs> like, you know, that's not that's not a reason to make a bad thing and for me to have to watch Are you familiar with the concept gatekeeping? Vaguely. So the older I get, the more I can't stand that shit. Where it's Mm -hmm. like, you like this, but don't like this. You're not a true fan. Yeah. Like if you said you really like Ninja Turtles, and then I said, what do you think about Casey Jones? And you're like, oh, I don't don't know who Casey Jones is. It's like, what? You can't like the Turtles then? You have no idea what you're talking about or have a frame of reference. Fuck you. <laughs> I not not you, but like that'd be you. That's <laughs> what you should say to me if I was the antagonist. Yeah. There's a lot I mean the, the the problem with this sort of thing is since the internet, there's a whole lot more of people not appreciating other people's opinions. Like I absolutely adore, for example, the fairly recent Two Turtles movies, the live action ones. And like I know that there's things wrong with them. I'm very aware of, like, the plot holes and some of the ropey dialogue and some of the squiffy CGI in places, but I really enjoy those films. But I'm not going to tell somebody who tells me that they're shit, that they're wrong, because 
fine if you don't enjoy something it's fine you don't you don't have to enjoy it that's precisely it yeah or if you want to enjoy something your own way then you can do that yeah yeah i hate this <laughs> i hate this sort of like this idea that if a film is not like super clever or you know super highbrow that that it's not worth like i had a lot of people telling me like aren't you you're a smart girl though like why do you like those turtles movies and i'm like because i like seeing turtles kick shit <laughs> occasionally i like to switch off my brain and i just like to see a fun adventure romp thanks yeah it's fun <laughs> Yeah, and I, I've got to say, I think Bebop and Rocksteady in the second movie were absolutely fantastic, and I would like a whole another one of those movies. Thanks very much. Yeah, they're amazing. Bring Seamus <laughs> back. Yeah, I mean it's funny because I was really skeptical about those two because I thought like, ugh, are they going to translate to the movies very well? Like, because their characters are like actual buffoons in yeah. the cartoons. I thought it was perfect. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. My only problem was is that they didn't really get to have any proper fights with the turtles because I don't know if you noticed, but they don't really fight at all in the second movie. There's a lot of chases and there's a lot of falling from things. There's not an awful lot of actual fighting, which is mildly disappointing. Um, That's true. Because I want to see somebody fight a rhino. <laughs> the biggest fight they had was where they kind of tricked him into that cargo container. Yeah. There's the airplane, though. I mean, they're like shooting and stuff. Yeah, but, but again, it wasn't that's like just a, a fist lot of fight. them like, like falling out of a plane and then down a river. They don't. Right. I mean, yeah, but I'm not going to rag on it because I think it's a really good film. <laughs> yeah. And just because you like it doesn't mean it can't have flaws. Oh, yeah. I have an account on Letterboxd. Uh, which is an app slash website thing where you can record films that you've seen and give them ratings out of five. And a, f- a friend of mine, uh, a friend of the parlour actually, Phil Thomas, never gives any movie five stars. And I have I have to do him a murder for it because he says he can only give five stars to a movie that is actually perfect. And I'm like, that's not how ratings should <laughs> Like, you should give a movie five stars if you love it. So, like, for example, I gave Deadpool five stars. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I gave it five stars because I've seen it ten times since it came out in February. Was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. But that's a lot of times to see a movie because I love it so much. <laughs> I don't understand why you wouldn't give a movie that you love five stars, Phil. It's, it's a very analytical <laughs> perspective. But the, the, I think part of my problem with that is that that's such a subjective thing right it's like if if we're gonna say that movies are an art form (laughs) some are pretty lowbrow art but uh if we're gonna say that's an art form like you can't you can't make one piece of art that is perfect for everybody everybody's definition is going to be totally different oh yeah of course so i you know i guess i can't blame him for wanting to hold that star for for something that's exceptional maybe he hasn't found the perfect movie yet maybe Phil, if you're listening, right, if you ever give a movie five stars, you have to text me immediately because <laughs> I want to know which magical film this is. And we can probably immediately disagree on it because me and Phil apparently don't really agree on films. <laughs> and that's the other thing. Like, once he claims that a movie's perfect, my first reaction is to go in and go, yeah, but what about that part? <laughs> <laughs> well, my reaction would be, well, I can just stop watching movies now, then I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's peaked. it. <laughs> We're d- that's it. Case closed. Job done. All movies can stop <laughs> now. <laughs> I um, I did a twofer at the cinema last weekend, and I saw two very wildly different movies, and uh, and loved them both. I think I gave them both four and a half stars uh, on Letterboxd. And it's, <laughs> so, see, this is why I love films and stuff because I have a very uh, eclectic taste 
in things. So I like things that are highbrow and I like things that are lowbrow. So like we went to see Isle of Dogs in the morning. It looks so good. Is it wonderful? It's yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Like I will say and this is not the film's fault, this is 100% my fault. I found it mildly distracting that because it's set in Japan, like a lot of the a lot of the dialogue that's not the dogs because the dog's barks get translated into English, you see. Uh, but all the dialogue that's not the dog's is Japanese, but only the very pertinent bits are actually translated for you. Um, and it's really clever, because what they use as a sort of plot device for that is they'll have, like, for example, the mayor giving a speech, and there'll be uh, a woman in a second screen sort of translating for the world media, as it were, and stuff like that. But when people are having just, like, little conversations around the house and stuff, there's no, like, no nothing in the way of interpreting at all and i used to study japanese and so i found it super distracting because i kept picking up the odd word and being like i know what that means but i couldn't put a whole sentence together <laughs> it's driving me crackers but that is 100 percent my fault for not you know finishing my japanese studies and becoming fluent <laughs> i guess i think it's i don't think it's solely your fault i think i think that when you're like engineering a movie like anything it's kind of i don't know what i'm looking for like if it's not intuitive, then it's not intuitive, right? Mm-hmm. It's like either you don't have the education or whatever. Do you think that they put that in to like maybe in in their mind, it was like you can discern what they're saying just from the context and the way they say it? I think so, because me and Rich were discussing this afterwards, and I don't think either of us felt like we'd lost anything from not fully understanding those sections. But on the other hand, it also felt a little bit like... I don't know what those scenes are there for then if we don't necessarily need to know what's happening in them, Mm. if that makes sense. But it is, like, it's just such an adorable, like, doggy adventure movie. (laughs) I loved it so much. Uh, The only thing I I will say is that I found Jeff Goldblum a bit distracting because he just sounded too Jeff Goldblum. And I was like, oh, but you're Jeff Goldblum, though you're not a dog. (laughs) the, the, the The dog that he plays is, like... Is brilliant though, because he's just the the dog who's constantly like, "Hey, did you hear the rumor about this?" <laughs> it's like this little gossip hound, so adorable. Gossip hound. That wasn't his name. That's the name I've just given to him because I can't remember his actual name. So I'm a terrible a good human name. being who didn't make proper notes. <laughs> yeah, that's partly the reason. When I go to a movie, I like to take very detailed notes. <laughs> Do you have one of those pens with a tiny light on it, so that whenever you you know you go to make all your lovely notes, you can you can actually see what you're writing, so it doesn't come out as garbled nonsense. <laughs> Yeah, and upset everyone behind me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never been in a cinema where somebody's used one of those for review purposes, but that's possibly because I always go to showings like a week after things come out so that I don't get annoyed by other human beings. But I feel like I would definitely get rolled up by that. I like to record the movie as I watch (laughs) it. That way I can review it later at home. Yeah, that sounds like something you probably shouldn't admit on a podcast. Um... What do you mean? Um, well, there's this tiny thing called uh, copyright law. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might want to look into it. Well, the cool part is, though, after I'm done reviewing it, I can rip it onto a DVD and I can sell it. <laughs> so it's like I don't even have to pay for admission anymore. Yeah. Um, okay, so the second movie I saw. <laughs> um, we went to see Pacific Rim Uprising, which couldn't be more different from Isle of Dogs if it tried. Yeah. I really enjoyed the first Pacific Rim. Me? too and um yeah this movie is it's basically the same if i'm honest it's just um there's uh robots fighting robots as well as robots fighting monsters uh, which i am 100 game for so yeah 
Yeah, it's an odd one because Rich found it too talky for a movie that's supposed to be about robots and, and monsters having a scrap. But I didn't feel that way at all. I found it went pretty quickly and I enjoyed most of it. The only thing I will say, cause like, I don't want to spoil anything too much for you, but the only thing I will say about it that I found a little bit odd was that um, they made John Boyega's character, whose name I cannot remember right now, to be the son of the Idris Elba character from the previous movie. And so there's a lot of like talk all the time about how great his dad was and how inspiring he is. And John Boyega's like, yeah, all right, man, leave me alone. Those are some pretty big fucking shoes to fill. And then they make him do this big speech later. And if you remember from the first movie, there's this amazing speech that Idris Elba does that like culminates in him cancelling the apocalypse and like getting really excited. And they tried to do a similar thing with John Boyega, except it's not even slightly as exciting a scene. And it's also not as well written a speech. So it comes across like a massive, like, flap. <laughs> like, he's just like... <laughs> it really doesn't work. Is this one directed by Guillermo del Toro? It is not. Yeah, that's probably part of it right there. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's yeah, it's very visibly not. I mean, it still looks really good. Like, because I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a stickler for CGI in that um, I get really riled up when things look even slightly off, which is why I was well crossed with the first Captain America movie, because there are so many green screen scenes in that that are straight up garbage. <laughs> Made me really mad. But this movie's like, it legitimately looks like giant robots are fighting giant monsters and like cities are getting trashed and stuff which is good but yeah it definitely isn't as dark or as interesting looking i don't think as the first one and it sort of lacks um i never know how to pronounce his name and i feel like i'm i'm about to like deeply offend him but the score for the first movie was done by ramin chuadi she says optimistically (laughs) i see you shrugging and yeah the score in this that in the second movie is not anywhere near as like I completely forgot about it. Hey church. I completely forgot about it until um until they referenced the main theme from the previous movie and that really showed it up as how boring <laughs> this score is, which is a bit of a shame. But um, you know, if you like things punching other things, it's a good it's a good film. I think most scores are pretty boring these days. <sighs> well, I think it depends. Like there's been um Yeah, don't get me wrong, there are wonderful scores but it's usually few and far between yeah i think one of the difficulties is is that a lot of the films i've watched in the past couple of years have been in the marvel universe and they all sound the same (laughs) especially the avengers ones that are like gotta get in that avengers theme exactly (laughs) calm down guys i'm still not excited for infinity war you know and it's making me a bit sad why are you excited for infinity war (sighs) because i didn't much like civil war and i definitely didn't like age of ultron and so and i'm feeling like you know black panther was so good like a lot of the the recent like sort of individual movies have been so good but like aside from avengers whenever they get more than like a couple of them together it all just kind of falls apart the scenes and so i'm a little bit scared that i'm just going to be like oh what is this shitty movie And also it's long, guys. Oh, God, it's so long. How long is it? I feel like, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but I feel like it's pushing two and a half hours, if I remember correctly. Which is just, it's just too long. (laughs) It's just too long. And also Deadpool comes out like two weeks later. (laughs) Yeah, Deadpool 2. I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. This is going to sound really mean, but I really hope Weasel gets murdered in it, because I don't know how I feel about watching TJ Miller anymore. (laughs) Why is that? There were some... 
sort of sexual harassment allegations, which haven't been proven, so, you know, fine, whatever. But his reaction to it was extremely douchey. And then today, like, literally Rich just told me this, so don't quote me on it because I haven't checked Rich's sources and stuff. But apparently he called in a bomb threat somewhere today and caused an absolute scene. And I'm like, God, he sounds like an absolute twat. <laughs> he just sounds... Google real quick. Yeah, it's still a little tippity-tap, tippity-tap Google. What? TJ Miller arrested? Oh. <laughs> Accused of intentionally conveying to law enforcement false information about an explosive device. Ah, uh, see? He just seems like a bit of a wally. Wait, 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 wait. Miller called 911 in New Jersey. He was on an Amtrak train, and he called in about a female passenger who he said had a bomb in her bag. What? Miller is alleged to have claimed the woman kept checking her bag without taking anything out, kept asking the first-class attendant what the next stop was, and seemed to want to get off the train and leave her bag behind. Hmm. Miller was found to actually have been traveling Amtrak on a different train? This is so weird. What the fuck, dude? It seems like a really bad time to be doing things like that. Not that there's ever a good time to pretend there's bombs, but... I don't even understand his context. Like, what's, what's the why part? Yeah, see, it, it's just such weird, like, attention-seeking, weird behavior. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not his biggest fan at the moment. I'm quite glad, because I've just started watching the new series of Silicon Valley that he's not in it anymore. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't have to worry about you. Why isn't he in Silicon Valley? <laughs> Again, don't quote me on this, because this is from my very tertiary glances at the internet. I don't do much in the way of actual reading of the internet, because news and stuff makes me sad and angry. But I have a feeling there was a falling out between basically him and everyone else that worked on the show. So he just mm. got written there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, he, yeah, that's putting me a little bit, you know, with Deadpool 2, because I just hope he's not in it an awful lot. But I am still really excited for that movie, because De- Deadpool is legitimately one of my favourite films, like, ever. <laughs> I really enjoyed it, yeah. Hopefully it's good. It's one of those films that I always find, like, there's, I'm never not in the mood to watch it. Like, if it's on the TV and I'm f- not doing something, I'm just like, oh, Deadpool's on, and I will just, like, drop everything and watch it. Nice. Stace, Stace you've seen this a thousand times. Shut up, Rich. I can do what I like. I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much a grown-up in my relationship with my husband. I really Sure. Ah, <sighs> oh, hey, Cranny. Yeah, uh, hi. Sorry, I didn't mean nice. to burp there. <laughs> That's getting edited out. woo <laughs> Sorry, I realised that I asked you before, like, hey, what have you been watching and seeing and stuff, and then just totally derailed the conversation into me and my life. Well, we were talking about uh, Better Call Saul. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Like 30 minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and then we kind of went down the the rabbit hole. Have you been watching anything else good? I've been trying to... Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I have never seen the show Community before. Call me! So, I've been (laughs) watching that, and I'm... About halfway through season two now. Oh, and excellent. Really enjoying it. I love that show. It's one of those ones that um, I watched the pilot for it and I was like, yeah, I'll give it another couple of episodes. Yeah. And it, it's funny now, like, now that I've seen the rest of the series, how different all the characters are in that pilot. But, oh, gosh. It's just, I think Community for me is just one of those shows that's, like, so consistently funny and inventive and also weird. I'm just a little bit in love with it, really. You're also a total Dan Harmon fangirl. I am, although, that being said, I've had to stop listening to his podcast for a bit, just because, just because it's mostly for my own mental health. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, he's very much, he's very open, which is great. Like, you know, I'm 
a, a huge proponent of people being open and honest about feelings and emotions and mental health and such. Here, you here. know, sometimes it just gets a bit heavy. What kind of stuff does he talk about? Well, the, the, the biggest thing he's been talking about quite a lot lately is like... Um, like the gun control stuff that's going on in America at the moment and he has decided to buy a gun and he talks about it a lot and it's um, like I don't judge him for wanting to buy a gun like that's you know that is entirely his choice and as long as he's a sensible human being with it then it's you know there's no reason he shouldn't have a gun yeah but like he talks a lot about the reasons he has them and it just makes me real nervous for all the friends I have in America (laughs) Because he like just talks at great length about how frequently people like die and how he feels like he needs to really protect his home and his and his dogs and his missus and I'm like oh god everything's so grim I just want to adopt all my American friends and like make them live with me over here. That's kind of how the American viewpoint is. It's like get yourself some property and fight tooth and nail to keep it. Like it's it's kind of ingrained at us from a young age. I mean it, it's. <laughs> That's your fault, Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. Damn taxes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I grew up with guns because we were a hunting family. Mm-hmm. And none, none of my folks are were really into guns more than a tool to kill an animal, basically. So I'm kind of used to them. It's hard, it's hard not to talk about guns and seem like not a crazy person. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's yeah, it's difficult because a lot of the things that we see over here in the UK is like a few people saying, you know, here's how we should improve the situation with guns and stuff, uh, and then a lot of people running around going, "You can't take my guns, Second Amendment," and you're like, "Oh my God, calm down, dude. Nobody wants." I'm just saying, you know, maybe an automatic rifle might be a mistake. <laughs> like, perhaps put that down. There's a lot of people that. I guess see things very black and white where it's like there are people that enjoy collecting guns. I think the it's definitely the minority um, mm-hmm. that's super like don't take our guns away. Like when Obama was elected, I remember there was a huge problem. Like all the ammo prices skyrocketed, all the gun prices skyrocketed because people thought that because a Democrat was in the White House that they were going to immediately pass a bill banning all all guns and so far it's every single time that people cry wolf basically nothing happens it's like you're making the guns go away because you're buying them all and hoarding them (laughs) it's uh, it's such a weird situation to watch from the uk because i um i met a lovely lady named hannah the other day who was telling me a story about how once because she lives in Texas, there was a giant tarantula in her pool and one of her family members shot it with a BB gun. And all I could think was, I'm never going to Texas if there's giant tarantulas. Holy fuck. And also, like, the idea of shooting a tarantula in the face with a gun. <laughs> because, to me, like, because we, I've never been around guns, they make me so fucking nervous. I remember when there was, like, a terror attack in London on a bus a couple of years ago. And um, after that, there were a lot of armed guards and stuff at a lot of airports and train stations and that sort of thing in the main cities in the UK. And because I live in Birmingham, which is like the second uh, the second city they call it, even though apparently nobody wants to do anything fun here. Um, everybody just wants to go to London. Like the first time I went to a train station and there was like an, an armed cop, I felt 
so sweaty and nervous and I like I'm a fairly legit citizen you know after you know I'm not the kind of person who has like a scary criminal record like I've never even smoked a cigarette let alone like done an intense drug or something but like just the instant I saw it I was like oh I'm gonna die this is how I'm gonna die and just like had a total panic scared the shit out of me I think having the experience around guns is a big difference I don't know I probably would not feel the same way about them if I didn't grow up with them. I really do like see them as a tool, which maybe is like a bad way to look at it because it's like, for me, it's like, okay, guns are for hunting and like shooting at targets with, and they're a pain in the ass to clean. Um, (laughs) Like I, I see it the same thing. It's like, if I get like the, I don't know if there's a good other tool example, maybe hot glue gun. (laughs) <laughs> still has guns it's like like sometimes the the glue gets all fucked up and you have to like chisel it out it's a big pain in the ass <laughs> you like you only get it out if you're gonna hot glue something like i don't just leave hot glue guns lying around all over the place i don't know i feel like i'm starting to sound a bit rambly <laughs> that's all right we got a little bit deep there which is uh not usually where this show goes so how do you feel about community <laughs> i like it a lot it's getting zanier and yes. I enjoy it. I'm also wondering, like, how zany is this going to get? Like, is this just going to become another Rick and Morty, basically? <laughs> I mean, it do- yeah, it does get quite... Um, yeah, zany is probably a really good <laughs> word for it, actually. If your tolerance levels for weirdness are quite high, I think you'll you'll still like it. I do very well with weird. Uh, mm. I It's one of my <laughs> favorite why things. That's we're friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love... One of my favorite things is watching weird people do weird stuff. <laughs> That's, um, that probably came off differently to how you intended it. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I go to like... That's my favorite thing about going to these festivals. Like, I'm going to this like regional Burning Man. It's like, I'm not... I don't think I'm really a weird guy. Like, I say a lot of weird things and have a weird sense of humor. But I feel like I'm, I'm pretty, pretty white toast. Mm-hmm. But you can go to these like festivals and just walk around and you can see weird people doing weird stuff like in their natural environment. <laughs> it's a it's a trip. I haven't been to a festival in years and it's mostly because I fucking hate the outdoors. <laughs> that yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a big part of it. Yeah. I am um, we made them as well. I think maybe it's being British that uh that does it because like literally every festival I've ever been to it's rained at some point while we were there and it's just become an absolute like mud fest and i'm just like ugh. <laughs> what what it what are you flying across the screen nobody else can see it but me this is quite exciting oh i like it just a little lego x-wing I, <laughs> I am i need to get better at lego we me and rich had a conversation the other day about lego sets and how like complicated they are and that's when rich realized that i haven't made anything more complicated pretty much than the thing you were just holding Put your willy away. Ha ha. No, that was a joke. <laughs> Sorry. So I, I need to, I think I need to get like a really complicated Lego set and try and build it and see if I'm actually any good at Lego or whether I just get frustrated and throw it immediately in the bin. That'd be they a lot of money to waste. have made the instructions so easy. <laughs> I, I remember when I was a kid, it didn't have like all these diagrams of how to fit the piece on or like arrows that show you exactly what hole to match up. It was just yeah. like, it showed you the next picture with the next pieces on it. And it was just figured out what's different between these two. And that would take ages. Now they tell you, they give you like 
a new picture for every single piece. I I have full confidence you could do it. Well, I mean, you don't know just how stupid I am. I don't. <laughs> I'm qu- I'm quite stupid. My biggest problem actually is that I get frustrated with things really quickly. Like um, oh, I, made, I made the mistake once. I had a list of things I was going to do before I was thirty, which I still haven't completed, and I'm almost thirty three. And one of them was I just turned thirty two. We're the same age. Well done. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. Thanks. Shit, I it was your birthday last week. No Did worries. well drunk? Yes. Because that's what you're supposed to do. Oh, good. Good, good. Yeah. Well on done. my birthday, I got well drunk, which was Excellent. a Friday, and then I stayed relative. I went pretty easy after that. <laughs> I used to only take my birthday off work, and now I have to take like a full week because I spend at least four days of it getting pissed, and then I need like three days to not be drunk anymore. <laughs> 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 like uh, recovery periods. Ah. Um, but on this list of things to do like, before I was thirty, one of them was bake and ice and fully, you know, decorate a cake by myself. And I said to Rich, I'm gonna do like a properly iced cake with like a design on it because I don't want to be like, oh, I baked an iced cake when actually all I did was like put a strawberry on top of something, something shit. So. I decided, in my infinite wisdom, bearing in mind that I've never fucking done anything like this before, and I get frustrated real fast, to make a, like a, a rectangular-shaped cake that was then going to have like a Tetris screen on it, and I was going to make lots of little fondant Tetris pieces, and they were going to fit together, and I was going to write the score on. But I made the mistake of just buying white fondant and getting lots of different um, food colourings, because... I thought that was the cheaper way of having di- loads of different colours to make my little Tetris pieces out of. Um, it turns out that there's a there's a really fine line when using food colourings on fondant between it being white and then you just holding a lot of like multicoloured slop. Because the more food colouring you use, the runnier the fondant gets. And all of a sudden, it's no longer like a thing you can roll out and cut a shape out of. It's mush. And so... <laughs> I was I was trying to make some black to like put across the whole cake as like the background. Black is oh tough. Oh my god. I must have spent about 30 minutes putting black food colouring in and jiggling it around and be like, right, that's the perfect colour, but now it's the consistency of like snot. So then I had to put loads of icing sugar back in and then mush it around. I'm like, okay, now it's rollable, but now it's also grey. And so I spent so long and like I got so mad at it that I started crying in the kitchen. I was so frustrated. Rich was like, do you want a hand? I was like, no, get out of my kitchen. And I was so cross. Never been more (laughs) cross in my life. And I just, I ended up just like slapping on this grey icing and making in these shitty little shapes and sticking them on top and I was like this better fucking taste nice because otherwise I'm throwing in the fucking bin and I was so mad I was so how'd it taste mad. it was alright it was cake yeah <laughs> it was just a standard you know sponge and buttercream situation I think I do the same thing like I'm gonna carve wood and I'm gonna make a beautiful bowl out of this old burl that I found and it's gonna be fantastic and it doesn't occur to me that I picked a project that like a seasoned professional would do. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like, why don't you start with this and you can make a little a little man? <laughs> like, <laughs> like if you were just to go white cake, chocolate frosting, done, you, you probably wouldn't have gotten so upset. Yeah. I yeah, and I've I still haven't gone I did say to Rich I was gonna make an effort to do a different, slightly easier cake at some stage, but I've still not gone back to it just because I keep remembering how cross I was and I'm like, no, I can't do it again. <laughs> well remember the the lessons that you learned from it. Yeah, by pre coloured frosting. 
<laughs> get better fondant. <laughs> I did, th- you should have seen the state of my hands afterwards as well because I made, I mean, it turned out grey. And then I also made like a sort of very pale blue and a very pale yellow and a very pale what was supposed to be red but turned out pink. And my hands, I looked like a straight up like nightmare. It was like the swirls of a galaxy on the inside of my my, my palms. It was just nuts, absolutely nuts. Anyway, this isn't the uh, Stacey's cake culture parlor. Um, <laughs> I would eat at that restaurant. <laughs> How did we get to cake? I forgot what we were even talking about. You'll have to Lego. go back and listen to it. Yeah, I mean, I have to do that anyway because I have to edit out all my extra loud breathing. That's the thing we've learned. I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't think... I don't know if you've noticed it. I don't think my breathing sounds really loud in conversations. But when I'm editing, it's like I'm going before everything I say. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to be more critical of our own work, right? It's the perils of being a podcaster. Yeah. I should just stop caring. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to stop caring, guys. I'm too much of a perfectionist. That's why I get frustrated at Kate's. You should trust yourself, though. Well, I'm a bit rubbish, though. Anyway. (laughs) Everyone's a bit rubbish. Well, yeah. If you're only a bit rubbish, you're doing pretty well, I guess. That's true. I mean, can you be a a good gauge of your own rubbishness? (laughs) I think so. I think Mm. the big thing is, is like, what do you do about that? It's Mm -hmm. like, what... Why are you rubbish? Like, well, this and this. Are you okay with this, with those things? No. <laughs> like, all right, then. That's your goal. <laughs> Add that to my list of things to do before I'm 30. Right. Like, create time travel in order to complete these things before I'm 30. It sounds like a reasonable goal. That list has a lot of stuff on there that I don't even want to do anymore. <laughs> I do a lot of meditating, mm-hmm. and that helps me a lot. Yeah. I keep trying to do things like meditating and yoga and stuff, and I just find myself getting too distracted. Well, that's that's part thoughts. of the process. Is like it's impossible to not be distracted. Mm. You kind of just have to. The big thing is like being present in the moment. I do like mindfulness stuff, so it's like if I'm distracted, I'll just kind of know like, oh, I'm totally distracted right now. I wonder what that's about, and then usually I can kind of find the underlying issue. Mm-hmm. But it's almost, sometimes I'll think, I'm like, wow, that was a really shitty thing I did. Like, let's try not to do that again. Or sometimes it's like, hey, I actually did all this today. I, I, I did a good job. I can feel good about myself. See, that's why I always have to-do lists for my day, even like sometimes on days when I'm not at work, just so that I can look at my day and be like, oh, I did do things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a useless piece of shit all the time. <laughs> yeah, there's so much that I feel like I'm expected to do. That I just feel like I'm always letting everybody down. Oh, we're too similar. I think, yeah. I think, yeah, it's... um. What's that generalized anxiety? Yeah, and I think it's also the sort of slight perfectionism also. Because I tend to find that if I don't do something to the absolute best that it can be done, then I have let myself and everybody else down. Yeah, I know those Which feels. Is not- actually always the case like sometimes the job just being done is like good enough but i just my brain's like nope that's not how tasks work (laughs) it takes me a lot of energy to go easy on myself um Mm -hmm. i spend a lot of time just trying to be like anything i can do that betters my life i'm coming out ahead and i should be proud of that it's like like well i didn't i didn't do it the way that i should have done it but you know what i actually did the laundry my life is now a little bit better because of it. I have pants. I have pants. Yeah. 
Actually, I don't know if you have pants. I can't see your pants. But um, Got jeans. he has pants, everyone. Pants update. There are pants. Church doesn't have pants. Church doesn't have pants. Church still does not give even a little bit of a shit. He was meowing at me a lot earlier, very pathetically. <laughs> Is he, like, hungry or something? He's so cute. He had. Uh, he has food right now. He never finishes at all. He, if he wants food, he can just go over and have some. <laughs> but instead, he's like, bring it to me. <laughs> I think he's like, come over here and pat me. <laughs> I love your church voice. It's so not how I imagine church actually speaks. Yeah, it's it's kind of... <laughs> sometimes I like look at him and I, I'm like, you're a shit cat. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm the shit person because I'm the one that does the voice. He's fine. <laughs> he's just a super chill, nice cat. See, I have a, a love-hate relationship with cats in that a lot of them don't like me and then I get nervous and then they like me even less. <laughs> Whereas, like, because, like, I had a friend, uh, I still I still have that friend, actually. That sounded like he died or something. Um, <laughs> a, a friend of mine had a cat, is more what I should have said, um, who was very laid back and chill and I was very, like, me and Marmalade were good buddies. But I've got another friend whose two cats are, like, like real skittish towards me and they make me really nervous and so they purposefully like sneak attack me and stuff like once i was sitting on his chair and one of his cats climbed up onto a shelving unit behind me and leapt onto my shoulder from the the shelving unit and i screamed the house down to the point that the other cat came running in and jumped on me also and i was like this isn't i'm going I can't handle this cat attack. <laughs> I was actually talking to that friend the other day because he keeps trying to get me to go to his house to do... Um, he's got um, the Rick and Morty um, VR game and he's like, you need to come and play it. And I'm like, there is absolutely no way I am trusting your cats enough to put on a <laughs> VR headset in your house. Like, that's 100% not happening. It's just not You just happening. wouldn't be able to get immersed. Well, I mean, I'm a little bit scared of VR as it is, which I realize is a really pathetic sentence. It's really, it's it's a whole nother ball game. I always be like, yeah, VR, it's not real. I'm a man. I can handle it. Then I like put it on and then I'm like, load up the crazy climbing game. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. And then I look down, and I'm like, holy shit, that's real fear. <laughs> and then you do a stick on your own carpet. <laughs> and then I fall to my death and I have to like rip it off before I hit the ground because I'm too afraid to look. Oh no. No, see the thing that scares me, and this is I realise this is very weird. I have like a million and one phobias. I don't know where they came from because nobody else in my house is as much of a fraidy cat as me. But one of them is I hate not being aware of my own surroundings. So I hate being in like the super dark. I absolutely hate it. I hate being somewhere like unfamiliar and I can't really see where I'm going. And I hate like when people are like, oh, let's put on this blindfold for this surprise. I'm like, get to fuck. Just bring it in. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I just, I'll just, you know, close an eye. Don't put a blindfold on me or I might kill you because at least I can control when I open my eyes. So the idea of having a VR headset on and not being aware of what's actually happening around me, because like, what if somebody decides it'd be really funny to just, like, come up and punch me? I'd never know until I got punched. I don't know who'd punch me in my own house. But it just stresses me out, Cranny. <laughs> I can... I, I'm picking that up. Yeah. I am a massive weirdo. Like, I feel like I want to give VR a try, but I also want to be, like, in a room just with, like, one or two people that I entirely trust not to, like, draw a willy on my face or something while I'm vr <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I get what you're saying. I think that I think you should just face your fears. 
I'm definitely not facing my fears at the cat house, though, because those cats are fucking sneaky. Fair. <laughs> yeah. You need someone that you can trust that could just wrangle the cats. I also don't trust my friend not to, like, immediately load up, like, Resident Evil 7 or something, and then I absolutely have a shit fit, because, um... <laughs> you're, not, you're not locked into it. You can simply raise your hands and do, <laughs> do this, and That's you're fine. Yeah, I'm aware of that. The thing is, though, I wouldn't want to appear to be such a wuss that I wouldn't even take a few steps or something. But, like, I don't trust Resident Evil games since the very first one and the dog that came through the window. Like, that has instilled the fear of God in me in Resident Evil games now because I'm constantly on edge expecting a something to jump me. Yeah, jump scares. Not a big fan of jump scares. I think it depends on how frequently they're used in the thing that you're watching. Yes. Um, I have a really big problem with jump scares that aren't even real scares. Um, yes. I can't, I can't remember what film it was I was watching once, but I was at the cinema with somebody, and we were watching a horror movie, and it wasn't particularly good. And then it cut from a very, very quiet scene, really sharply, to a guy trying to smack in a padlock with a shovel, and it made this hella loud clonking sound. And I absolutely shit a brick, and everybody in the cinema did. We all jumped. And I was like, well, that was cheap. Come on now. They are cheap. There wasn't even anything in the shed. <laughs> like, I think the only reason you should use a jump scare is to either add another level of tension to the whole movie or it needs to like set up something else. I don't I think it was uh I'm really into horror, but I don't consider myself an expert. But mm -hmm. if you watch like the original uh Jason movies, yeah. That was the first jump scare that I ever saw that wasn't actually a jump scare. It was like they're doing the whole ch 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 like the soundtrack's really dense and uh, everything's really, really scary, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then all of a sudden there's like this, like, and you're like, what's going on? It's just a cat. And they're like, okay, it's just a cat. And then immediately <laughs> after, like, Jason, like, brashes through the window. Like, that's great because it, it, it surpasses your expectations. Like you expect it to go one way and then something else happens. It's the same as comedy, mm -hmm. but it's like, you can't, if, if the whole movie you're like, we're building to a jump scare. Everything's fine. We're building to a jump scare. Everything's fine. All of a sudden I'm out of the movie because I don't trust that anything's actually happening. Like there's no danger anymore. Yeah. Very upsetting to me. I need to get better at horror movies. Cause I've not seen that many and I've not seen a lot of the classic ones. But it's, I think it's, my, <laughs> it's mostly because I am very weird about horror movies. I don't tend to be that scared by them, except the ones that could be real, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, ones where, like, clowns from outer space appear. I mean, I wouldn't like that because I'm a little bit scared of clowns. But I can watch it because I'm like, well, this is just silly. You know, clowns aren't going to come down from outer space and be like, I'm going to eat your face. Yeah. That's not how the universe works but like when it's a movie about like i don't know like a creepy stalker who like murders people i'm like well these things actually happen and that's real freaky <laughs> so but i do need to watch i feel like i need to watch the halloween movies because i've not seen any of those they're okay um the first one was pretty good it's kind of a slow build for me yeah i might like that more though because i tend to find that like especially with horrors like when they give away the farm like immediately like it's I don't know, I like things to build up tension so that towards the end I will do a poo in my pants because I'm so frightened. Can I recommend a movie to you that's on Netflix? No, no, yeah, go on. <laughs> it's called They Look Like People. Oh, okay. And it is that subversive type of horror I fucking love. I, lo mm -hmm. I don't 
I hate it when they give me a lot of exposition in a horror movie because I think the way that horror movies are supposed to work is they're supposed to let your mind run wild and now you're thinking of your worst fears kind of in this scenario. Mm -hmm. Typically when they get like too explainy with everything, I just start trying to pick apart their explanations until I'm so sick of hearing it because I don't believe that that's the way it would ever happen. Yeah. But this one's fantastic. Uh, it's a slow build. The end, like, it's just it's just scary because you don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. <laughs> that does sound good. I'm gonna I'm gonna force Rich to watch that. That can be one of his films. I die. <laughs> sure. He's already at the stage where he's regretting his decision to do this. He, he's rapidly going off movies. <laughs> Two hours a day is now spent for a whole year watching a movie that might not even be good. Well, this is the thing, because he, he's imposed his own rule as well, that it has to be a movie he hasn't seen before. So it's like 365 new-to-reach movies. And so a lot of that is him just searching Netflix to see what's appeared and then watching some garbage. Like, we recently watched uh, an anthology horror. What was it called? Use your head, Stace. Have a quick look on Letterboxd. It was called Holidays, and it had, I want to say, eight uh, little short films in it that were all based around, like, a holiday. So there was, like, a St. Patrick's Day, a Mother's Day, a Father's Day, Valentine's Day... I've forgotten. New Year's, Christmas. Were any of them good? the other ones? Well, this is the thing, right? So I understand that anthologies can be kind of hit and miss depending on what your preferences are because they're all totally different. Mm -hmm. I think maybe one of these was okay (laughs) and and the rest of them were bad, like actively bad. In fact, the Halloween segment was a short film by Kevin Smith and it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. I was so mad at it because there was a lot of like Kevin Smith fan wankery in the sense of like they were swearing all over the place and there was like nerdy references and you know all the things that Kevin Smith fans love but like the the main guy in it was the guy from Epic Meal Time who is not an actor he's not an actor the guy that just says bacon strips a hundred times yeah yeah with the big beard yeah. I've forgotten his name. I want to say it's like, he's got a ridiculously brilliant name. It's something like, but not necessarily like Harley Morenstein or something ridiculous. He's Canadian. He is indeed. And he is not good in it. And um, of course, fucking Kevin Smith puts his daughter in it because everybody he knows has to be in movies, even if they're not any good at acting, which she categorically isn't. Yeah. It's fun, fun to get your friends paid. <laughs> you would think that... In a horror anthology, the Halloween one would be the easiest one to be scary. Yeah. Um, but it was it was absolute shite. Um, the only one I liked was the Father's Day one, which was let down a tiny bit by the ending. But it was a really interesting premise whereby this girl whose dad like basically disappeared several years before, um, she suddenly gets like a tape of his that appears and she starts listening to it on like an old uh, Walkman and it's like directions leading her somewhere and it's like it's really intense because you just haven't got a fucking clue where it's going or what's happening or, or why it's happening but, like I say the end is a little bit of a letdown but compared to all the other stories in, in this anthology <laughs> it's like the only good one <laughs> I was real mad at it. I mean, watch it if you're a little bit tipsy and you feel like seeing some really stupid shit, like a lady giving birth to a snake in a bath <laughs> on St. Patrick's Day. Which hole did it come out of? Well, I mean, I assume the vagine, but I don't I don't know, because uh, the bath fills with horrible black nightmare times, 
and then she passes out and then the next thing you know massive snake <laughs> massive snake yeah yeah i assume it grew real fast hmm. because there's no way it was inside of her at the size that it is at the end of the <laughs> seems like baby snakes could pretty much fit out of any hole but a large snake would probably have to be the vaginal canal yeah, I would, well, I would imagine. I don't like the idea that she pooped out a snake either. <laughs> or peed it out. Like I'm, yeah, I'm not having that. No, I'm not having it. But it's a weird, it's a very weird, very weird thing. Horror, I think, is really easy to get wrong, and people do it a lot. <laughs> Same with comedy, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not so fussy with comedy, but mostly because I find a very wide range of things funny. Like, um, my sense of humour, like, I can't pin it down, because I love, like like stupid like dick and fart jokes and i also kind of like even though even though i'm asexual and it sort of flies over my head a bit like i i still like like vulgar jokes and i love like slightly violent jokes people being violent towards each have you ever seen the um british tv show bottom no okay well i mean (laughs) it's one of my favorite comedy shows ever and it's literally just about two guys um rick mail and aid edmondson from the young ones just sharing a flat together and being absolute assholes to one another like they're constantly fighting or like trying to chat up birds but like undermining each other while they're doing it and it's just it's ridiculous i absolutely love it but then i also love like political humor and like really highbrow intelligent humor so i'm i'm quite easy to please when it comes to humor it just has to really make me laugh yeah because like i saw have you watched game over man on netflix i started watching it but uh we keep getting too tired and we can't finish it Oh, that's adorable. Um, <laughs> me and Rich watched it, and um, it's so funny because within our group of friends, there's like a group of people who are like, yeah, this is real funny, and I am one of those people. And then like two other people who like categorically messaged us and was like, this film is shit, do not watch it. And I was like, I've already seen it. It's great. <laughs> I thought the first 20 minutes were hilarious. I, I loved it, but I really like the guys from The Workaholics anyway. I do but too. I think if, that, if that's not your... If that sort of humor doesn't tickle your funny bone, then this movie is not for you. Right. But there's like there's a John Gabrus like appearance later in the movie that had me literally in stitches. Like you know when you laugh so hard you just hurt. Yeah. Like I absolutely loved it. So yeah, I mean comedy I'm not so bad with, but with horror, like I tend to find when they're bad they're like nigh on unwatchable. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I make the comparison a lot, but just like comedy, it's like if you laugh then. It doesn't really matter how good the rest of the movie was. Just like horror, it's like if you get scared, then it's doing a pretty good job. But <laughs> it's harder for me to find a movie that makes me scared than it is to find a movie that makes me laugh. Yeah, I think I think so with me too, which is funny because you would think that with the shocking amount of phobias I have, it would be real easy to scare me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm a bit weird like that. Like... I think one of the movies that scared me the most in my entire life has been arachnophobia, and not necessarily because it's any good, but just because I do not want to see that many actual spiders. Like, you know, an eight-legged freak I'm fine with because they do not look real at all. But, like, in arachnophobia, when they're just, like, genuine spiders hanging out in people's slippers, I'm like, fuck that. Yeah. (laughs) absolutely fuck that. The way that they build the suspense, like, towards the earlier part of the movie when, like, the woman's, like, going to turn her lamp off and you know there's a spider in the shade. (gasps) Yeah, you know... What's going to happen, but it still is like, ah, when it does happen. Yeah. Because, like, they, they show her getting up and slowly walking over to it, and yeah. <laughs> so grim. Um, I'm just realizing that we're coming up to a point where you need to leave your house. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got about 20 minutes. 
Okay. But I need to be out the door in 20 minutes. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we uh, do a wrap up? I didn't really have anything planned. I'm just kind of winging it. <laughs> <laughs> You're so brave. If I if I did that, my shows would be 10 minutes long and it'd just be me going, um, I saw, I saw a thing. He was all right. <laughs> and then having a little cry, a little panic cry. See, for me, I'm like, this isn't even my podcast. Yeah, how dare you not prepare? Like, you if, absolute cunt. If this turns out <laughs> shit, then that's fine. <laughs> It's uh, it's Cranny's fault, everyone. You heard it. He said it. It's his fault. Yeah, I'll take I'll take I'll take credit. <laughs> um, I haven't got anything else I wanted to talk about. I was I was going to mention WrestleMania, but I don't know if it's worth talking about because you haven't seen it, and also it was a real mixed bag. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing is, I'm not going to go back and watch it, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious. Daniel Bryan came back. That's pretty cool. That was pretty cool. I don't like that he was wrestling with Shane McMahon, who sucks. <sighs> Me neither. He really does suck. Like, there was a really embarrassing moment where he did a coast-to-coast, and it was, like, the the worst landing of it. It looked like it hurt him more than it hurt. I can't remember if it was um, Sami Zayn. That was the other guy. If it was Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn that he was doing it too. But whoever, like, they really had to ham up the acting of, like, oh, that, that really hurt me. Oh, I'm so hurt. Yeah. It's like, it's just, ugh. Um, And they had him wrestling a lot as well because they did this whole shtick of like, you know, they almost immediately knocked out Daniel Bryan. So that, yeah, which is insane. It's insane to me. So that he could do this big comeback a bit later in the match where he just runs in and he's like, ah! Of course. Yeah, yeah. They they just try to build as much hype as possible. And I feel like it's like, oh, people are real excited for Daniel Bryan. It's like, yeah, because Daniel Bryan's great and he retired and now he's back and like he was actually crying it's like yeah it's a real cool dude who really loves what he does and that's like what i want to see and then they're like you know what we should do we should capitalize on that by putting shane mcmahon next to him so shane mcmahon gets some free points like yeah but i feel like that's just gonna hurt daniel bryan because shane mcmahon sucks nah we're gonna do it like this (laughs) it's also i feel like they should have just took shane mcmahon off the table after he climbed the uh, a couple of years ago when he climbed like a cage and like jumped off of it onto someone onto his like, head. That is your peak, guy. That is your absolute peak. You're not doing any better than that. Just retire, pretend you've got an injury or something, and just fade away gracefully into the night. But he didn't. There was a couple of like really weird decisions in this WrestleMania actually because I was really excited for um, Charlotte versus Asuka because I love Asuka. I think she's amazing. We're huge Asuka fans. She lost. And I was really incensed about it because Charlotte is not very good. No. And they also had her do this really annoying thing afterwards where at the end of the match she picked up a mic and it looked like she was going to get all rowdy. But then what she actually said was Charlotte was ready for Asuka and then gave her a hug. And I was like, what are you doing, WWE? How do you feel about uh, Ronda Rousey? She was amazing. She was actually legitimately one of the best things on That's what um, everyone's saying. And I guess she was super hot too. Not that you would have an opinion. Well, I mean, yeah, I thought she looked great. Like, my only problem was is that um, she's clearly used to fighting in actual sportswear rather than costumes because she spent a lot of time raking her shorts out of her arsehole and pulling her top down over her tits. Like, a lot of her time was spent readjusting various bits of herself so that you couldn't see her butt or her boobs. Just have to kind of let it get up there and, like, yeah, it's just... <laughs> Maybe that's why people liked her so much. 
they need to sort out that that costume before she wrestles again. But like considering like Kurt Angle is one of my favourite wrestlers, like because I only got into wrestling when I met Rich and he took me to see it. We'd only been going out for a couple of months and he took me to see it live in Birmingham and Kurt Angle was there and he was absolutely brilliant and he just became like one of my favourites. And I was kind of shocked actually that he was a little bit rubbish in this match. But then Rousey came in and just absolutely stole the show. She was brilliant. I would say that was probably the highlight match of WrestleMania. Um, I, it's a bit of a shame that it wasn't the main event, really. The main event was weird. Who, what was the main event? Well, it depends on who you view, what your view of the main event is. Because a lot of people are trying to tell me that the main event was um, AJ Styles versus um, Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, but the last match, which is the one that I figured is the main event was um lesnar versus reigns and um of course it was Boring. i'm sick of seeing them Boring. pair wrestle yeah. they wrestle all the fucking time i no longer care and i was really cross at the aj styles um thing as well because nakamura lost and i was like what are you do- what are you doing like what was the point in having asuka and nakamura win the royal rumbles to get to wrestlemania and then have them both fail like it's just so stupid yeah i got really cross at that especially because i've recently found out that aj styles is a flat earther and i'm like oh no mate <laughs> come on now <laughs> well he does wrestle for a living so <laughs> I mean, yeah i don't go to him for science well, yeah. Yeah, so it's a really, it was a really weird one. I mean, I don't know whether my opinion of it was a bit coloured by the fact that because I'm in the UK, like, it didn't finish till five in the morning for us. So by the time it got to... That's a long Styles, night. Yeah. Yeah, and then Lesnar. Like, by that point, I was like, I want to go to bed. I don't want to be in this pub. Everybody here is drunk, including me, but everybody, like, everyone was annoying me because I was like, we're all just drunk and ready, and I just, all I want to do is leave. And, uh, yeah. I probably would have left if it would. If Brock Lesnar came out, okay, whatever. Yeah, I mean, the issue is I just find it really hard to care, especially because, like, nobody really likes Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. No, they both suck. (laughs) Roman Reigns used to be cool. I thought Brock Lesnar used to be cool. The Mm. writing for WWE is really bad. Yeah. I like like NXT a little bit more because they seem to let the wrestlers have a little more freedom on how the story goes, which I think is how it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's every time they start doing something cool with a wrestler I like, they do exactly that. They're like, like, yeah, we just got to go to WrestleMania and then he's going to lose real quick and nobody cares anymore. Great. It was such such an odd one. And I don't know if you heard about the um, the tag team match with uh, Braun Strowman. What happened there? Mm-mm. I do love me some Braun Strowman. Okay, I love him too, but this annoyed the absolute ever-loving shit out of me. It's a fridge of a man. He turns up, there's this whole like palaver of, oh, who's going to be his tag partner? Because he's got, legally, he's got to have one. So they have this whole palaver and he gets on the, he gets in the ring and Seamus and the other guy who I've forgotten already are there, you know, and he's like, yeah, you know, I've got, I'm going to pick someone. Oh, you're all wondering who it's going to be. And then he goes out into the audience and he selects like a 10-year-old boy called Nicholas who turns out to be the son of a referee. And he brings Nicholas up and he's like, you stay in that corner, I've got this, mate. I've I've got to legally have a tag partner, but you just stay there, don't even worry about it. At one point in the match, he tags the kid in. The kid gets into the ring, looks like he wants to die and immediately tags back out and then Braun wins. And it's just, it's so wholesome. It's just the weirdest. I mean, I was really hoping that the kid would get like a good slap in there, and everybody would go woo. 
ooh, and then it'd be great. But he literally looked like he wanted to die. Like, clearly it was obviously his dad that wanted him to do it. Because even at the end, when they were like, they gave him the belt and he got to go like backstage and they were like holding it up in the ring and stuff. He looked like the most nervous person I've ever seen. Well, <laughs> I, he may have wanted to do it. And then when he got out there and realized that there were like 10,000 people <laughs> in the ring, regret. not to mention how many people at home were watching WrestleMania. Yeah, it just seemed like a really weird move. Like, I assumed they were going to do something stupid. Like, he'd look around in the audience and John Cena would be there. And he'd be like, come on, mate, but then never tag him in for a laugh. Because Cena ended up fighting Taker and that was weird. Because it was, like, Taker getting into the ring took longer than their actual match. So he made Cena look like an absolute chump. Like a full-on chump. Like it was it was absolutely ludicrous. I think I don't think they give Undertaker a mic anymore just so you can't hear him groaning the whole time. Oh yeah, he looked like he was dead. Like, oh yeah. He he doesn't look well. It looks like he's trying to pass like russet potatoes out of his asshole. <laughs> he's just sweating and everything his whole face is all squished yeah and it you just can't buy like as much as i joke about cena looking like a ridiculous man child in his jorts and stuff like he's actually a pretty good wrestler and like I can't, and a I'm good not guy having, yeah and i'm not having taker just like walk in and fucking he basically teabagged him like he was insane <laughs> it's just that's just like this this whole like the decisions in this whole wrestlemania were just so weird they're always weird and bad it's like john cena used to be their fucking bread and butter and then everyone after years were finally like no he sucks stop we don't want to see john (laughs) cena win anymore they're like fine well now you get to see him lose all the time it's like no he should still win sometimes it's fucking john (laughs) cena just don't have every match have him run out and then choke slam him and then it's over with it's a weird one i do i do wonder sometimes what what they're up to at wwe but, you know, I still enjoy it. It's wrestling, isn't it? It's fun, yeah. Well, my time is coming to an end here. Cranston. Hello. Where should the lovely people of the internet look to find yourself and the delightful Turtle Power Pod? Yeah, you can check us out on iTunes or Stitcher, really whatever your favorite thing to listen to podcasts on is. Uh, we're Turtle Power Pod. We're on Twitter. We're on Patreon at Turtle Power Pod. You can actually find me at Church the TPP Cat on Twitter. <laughs> Um, if you want to reach out to me, I, I, twi- I tweet as my cat. That's not insane at all. Nah. <laughs> you can also find uh, both Bassam and Cranny on the 24-hour live show that's coming up. By the time this episode comes out, it'll be like a week or something, which is nuts. I'm so frightened that it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Uh, so do tune in to Mixler.com forward slash SPCP dash live uh, on the day. And um, go to my Twitter at Stacey's Parlor for more details. I made a bunch of perlers that I'm going to be donating to the to the cause. Yay! I'm so excited. You'll have to come up with a really good like competition style question or some such because uh, my brain... By the time we talk to you, which is... I think you're scheduled for about four in the morning, I am going to be a mess. A hundred percent mess. In my mind, it would be like everyone who donates gets a chance to like win them or maybe, I don't know, going to do any raffles we'll or anything. We'll figure it when you don't yeah, have yeah. to go. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me in the parlor. It's been an absolute delight as per usual. Oh, thank you so much. I had a great time. Good, good. And I will see you lovely listeners at the live show. Ah, ah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>